We already did that job. <laughs> oh, there's Shane. Morning. Hello, hello. Carrie David's looking for you. What's Carrie David eating? Um, it's a brownie that didn't actually make it, so I'm washing it down with coffee. Oh. If you sent me a link yesterday, I didn't get it. Well, let me resend it. Okay. See how diplomatically I handled that, ladies? Yeah. <laughs> Both of you did very good. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing this a long time. Shane was one of my best teachers in non-judgmental diplomacy. <laughs> I, need, I need to take questions. Maybe that's God trying to call in. Hey. Yes, you have the choice of with with video or not. Is that Susan? Yes. Um, I can't tell you that. I don't know. I, I joined early and so did Janice. So we're just talking. <laughs> and Carrie and Shane just got on. Why don't you want the video? <laughs> well, neither has Janice. <laughs> Neither has Shane. <laughs> Neither has Shane. <laughs> Tell her yeah. she wants the video. Yes, they can hear you. So get the video. Get the video too. Okay, she bye. needs to unmute it, Tricia. She's muted right. on mine. Unmute. Hi. <coughs> She's trying. <laughs> this is new. Yeah. He's not really. What's that, Shane? You see that uh, link I just texted you? Oh, you texted it to me? Hold on. So, Tricia, did you give Jimmy a haircut? I did. Well, you see. <laughs> I mean, Jan stop. what's Janice that? George's hair all the time. Janice does. Good for her. <laughs> I don't like to because Jimmy's very particular. <laughs> he tells me every hair to cut. <laughs> <laughs> George didn't that way. <laughs> I used to cut daddy's hair too. I thought I cut daddy's hair for 20 years. Is that right? Yeah. <clears throat> they weren't particular. <laughs> <laughs> I 
mine just shows every nick, ding, blemish. I mean, it just the the barber will tell you, ooh, uh, <laughs> be, be careful because we just barely nick you, and you know, oh, it shows for ever. <laughs> it grows back. That's right. It's like getting a, a black eye in a fist fight. A couple of days later, nobody knows what happened, you know. <laughs> My God, that's never happened. Nothing pronounces the size of your ears like pulling them forward with a mask. <laughs> good morning. This is Quinette and Dennis. Hello. Hey, good morning. Hi, guys. Hey, how are you doing? We're doing good. Good. Okay, Shane, so I did not get any link by text from you. You didn't. Is your name Carrie David? Are you assuming another name these days? I'm not. Oh, you know, I wonder if I sent it to... Let's see if this works. Try that. Okay. Okay. Who shared the Shane, screen? I'm sorry, Shane, I was going to tell you, I also talked to Fred Shaw, and he's supposed to be calling in to join, oh, so I've not done it before, so I chatted with him about it. So. Excellent. I see Beverly Flory on the Hello. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I suspect that's you, Carrie, that's doing the, that we're seeing your screen. There are so many, when you uh, register for one of these Zoom sessions, there are so many click-throughs uh, that one of them was, and I'm glad to see that it worked, you can click through so that others can join before the host who has the rights or whatever comes on. So I was glad to see when I came on that that actually worked. And um, this is new, all new. At the time we learn it, we won't need it anymore, let's hope. <laughs> Beverly, where'd you get your yard sign? 
Well, <clears throat> I want to say Woods Printing, but it was actually my nail tech brought it to me. What, what does it say? It's that faith over fear, but mine has a real pretty cross. It's That's like, cool. it's like Shane's. I, I was going to check when we have another conference call since I'm on the board at Interfaith because I was told that $6 of that $10 is being donated to Interfaith. I haven't confirmed that with Carla yet, but is that, have y'all heard that as well? I have not, but that'd be wonderful if it is. Mine was free. Yours was free? Good. Somebody loves me. I guess. Everybody loves you, Beverly. <laughs> I uh, saw them uh, somewhere and then called out to Woods Printing, and the guy said, I don't have any left. He said, but I'll, I'm printing some up now. It'll be about 4 o'clock this afternoon, and I'll have them ready. So uh, that was the day brother had his Bible study. I guess that was Wednesday. So Janice said, let's be out there at 4 o'clock, and then we'll be home in time for Brother Ed's uh, study. So he was waiting when we got out there. So you got one? I got two, yeah. Um, he told me, I said, I said, have you sold quite a few of these? And he said, yes. And I said, what does that mean? And he said, 200 and some by that point. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Shane. Hey, Fred, how hey, are you? Fred. Hey, good morning. I'm doing good. Thank you. I've had it a little difficult getting in here. I didn't run doing it right, but I'm on board now, buddy. All right. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Good. Jimmy's right. hair looks great. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, I may be coming over and getting one here pretty soon. It's sticking out like Grandpa Munster. <laughs> <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> yeah, things are good over here. Good. Excellent. I didn't know if I, what number to put in here. I got Kerry twice, so <laughs> he had to put up with me this morning. Well, that's okay. You doing okay, buddy? I'm doing just fine. We're doing just fine. Okay, great. How many people are on the call now, Shane? Can you tell? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, it looks like right now. That, Good. Uh, that show two, two with just audio and then the rest video. Yeah. Cool. So we'll give them a few more minutes here and... I saw Roger had joined and then he fell out. So Roger Gravener. So. I'm gonna see what they're in there. Hmm? I'm gonna see what they're in there. Hmm. Hey, Jane Stafford's joined with us. Hey Shane, I had asked Jana because someone had asked me how many cars we had Sunday, and she told me we had 319 cars. That's correct. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Did they count people, do you know? I mean, go around and count heads in the cars or just cars? They tried, didn't they, Beverly? No, I think they were just counting cars. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, there are some of those cars that have two and some of those cars that have six. You know? Oh, yeah. If you have a car with more than, you know, a van with three rows of seats, it's probably hard to count those in the last few seats. Yeah, that's what Janice said Sunday. She said, uh, I bet you get stuff to count third row people. Yeah. 
them. I'll be there right there. I'm trying to get Richard Barber on the phone with us here. All right. And I got your video too. All right. Well, as I said the other day, we got nowhere to go and all month to get there. So. <laughs> hey, Shane. Yes. I don't know if anyone else heard or not, but uh, Sunday we heard Robert Morris preaching and he gave us the easiest way to remember the definition of justified. And he said, say it just like this, just as if I had never, I had never sinned. Oh yeah. Just as if I had never sinned. Yeah. That's justified after you've accepted uh, Jesus and bloods cleanse you from all sin. Oh, then you're beautiful. justified just as if I had never sinned. Just as if I had never sinned. That's beautiful. Just like they used to say about the Sadducees, they don't believe in the re resurrection, so they're sad, you see. Absolutely. <laughs> sad, you see. <laughs> I heard that years ago. My my granddaughter's saying my granddaughter sent me a thing on the computer yesterday, and it was concerning the the virus thing, and she says no place in the Bible does it say to stress about something, no place in the Bible that says to worry about something, and no place in the Bible that says try to figure it out, just put your faith in the Lord, and that was my granddaughter that sent that to me, and I thought that was so. That's fantastic. Yeah, so good that she was almost my grandbaby. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good news. How old is she, Fred? Oh, this is my grandbaby, not my grandbaby. My granddaughter is a 24. 24? Yeah. Her, her husband is the son of a pastor of the church they used to go to. And his father married them. Hmm. So... Yeah, that's um, that. I'm I'm just so glad that they're my little great grandbaby, her daughter, who is three now, but goes to the nursery school at the church they go to. Do the daycare? She goes to daycare, and they change classrooms, and from one classroom to the other classroom, they were going to do a different program or something. So in the other, in the second classroom, they had this music or Christian music planner with the intercom real soft. When they walked into the room, my great grandbaby pointed up at the speaker and said, "Jesus noise." Oh wow! And I thought that how you know, two years old, and she said, "Jesus noise," and she pointed it to the speaker. I thought that just gave me goosebumps. So my granddaughter told me the little baby did that, and I said, "You know, they're doing the right things with her. I'm just so pleased with them." The uh, our little six-year-old grandson goes to uh, Blessed Trinity School. And it's funny because Pat, Father Pat, you know, uh, leads most yes. of the things, and he's, what, Irish or whatever. So the other day, my grandson says, we, we, he loves the song, um, I Need You, Oh, I Need You, Every Hour I Need You. He sings every word to it. He loves that song. And the other day, we, we played that one to him, and he said to me, Papa, would you play me another song about the Lord? He said it just <laughs> like Father Pat would say it. He had the Irish accent. Yeah. 
Talking about the Lord. <laughs> out of the mouth of babes. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, let's wait about, what is it? It's 10.08. Let's wait two more minutes and then we'll just get started. I see George there. Looking good. Hi, George. Good morning. Hey, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> hey Shane, this is Richard Barber. I'm on the phone. I'm not on the video. Hi Richard. Good morning. Hey man, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Well, I'll tell you what, we've been uh reminding me of the forties. I was raised in the forties. There wasn't anything to do or anywhere to go, so we back to those days again. <laughs> You got any peanuts in the ground, Richard? Yeah, we planting right now. We got that rain. They've got an inch and a half. So we planting right now as I'm speaking. We got the tractors running. Yeah. How many acres will you have in at the end? When I finish, I've gone I've cut back. Uh, I'm uh, I'm getting a little bit older and a little bit slower and uh I'm, I'm gonna only have about three hundred acres this year. About three hundred. And what was your maximum? Yeah. I used to grow about 1,400. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's big in some places and it's small in others. It's going to where you're at, what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, we got, we got some growers in the state of Florida that grow 10,000 acres. Yeah. Can you imagine that? And I'm a peanut farmer and I can't imagine it. Yeah. It's hard to believe. That is. That's a lot of property. Yes, yeah, it's it a lot of running. It takes more than one tractor. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. 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 We run about, uh, on that, when I had the 14, we run about uh, six or eight tractors according to what we're doing. But anyway, it, it takes a lot of a machinery to, to, uh, I think John Deere and all these other companies uh, make more out of it than the peanut farmers do, I think. Oh, I'm sure they do. Yeah. For oh, sure. <laughs> I remember right. when I was, Jan and I were talking the other day, and I said, do you, you remember when they didn't have combines and they had corn pickers, you know, and they'd pick it by the ear? And Oh, Lord, you know I remember that. I was raised up doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I was born in 38, so I came up through that time. We used to hand pick it before we even had a, a corn picker. We broke it by hand and piled it in piles. We grew corn, and then we come back along and picked it up and put it in the wagon. But anyway, I've seen it all like that. <laughs> Don't want to go back to that. Carrie David, you want to you get us started with some... Yeah, I'll go ahead and get you started. Thank you, um, sir. I got something interesting from a friend of mine that was sent to them for a missionary that talks about uh, kind of stay at home. Did you know that the word quarantine is the Latin root quarantine is 40? And there's some interesting things that the Bible says about 40. Uh, the flood lasted 40 days. 40 years, Moses fled Egypt. Uh, Four days, Moses stayed on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. The Exodus was 40 days. 
Jesus fasted for 40 days and Lent was 40 days. Um, there are a group of theologians that believe that that number represents change. Um, and I haven't done any research on that, but I would agree that we are certainly in a time of change and that this is preparation for something else that's coming. And I think God is always preparing us for something new that's coming. Uh, one thing this little short, cute article pointed out that uh, during this quarantine time, we don't realize it, but the rivers are cleaning up, vegetation is growing, the air is becoming cleaner because there's less pollution, there's less theft and murder, uh, healing is happening, and most importantly, people are realizing possibly what their mortality is and maybe coming to Christ, and we can be part of that equation. Uh, it was interesting, they also said that this is the year 2020, and that 20 plus 20 is 40. 40. Um, also, that this is a census year, and Jesus, the Savior of the world, was born in a census year. So there are a lot of similarities here that we can take and we can move forward. And I love the fact that we, we have this technology, and even though it's just a few of us right now, we can gather together. And I just want to say, last Sunday may have been the most impactful Easter for me personally that I've ever had. There were more than 300 cars on our campus, and there was a spirit that I have I, I've not felt in a very long time. Even though we were spatially distanced, I felt like we were a closer body of Christ, not just on our campus, but around the world than anybody else has been. Um, I'm not going to ask if we have any visitors because I don't know that we do. We haven't published the Zoom link. Um, I do want to welcome everybody that's here and hope if uh, you have not made it here that we will send you a link like we did last week. We're recording this with a little bit of editing and you can replay it again or share it with whoever you want. Um, but why don't we get into prayer requests? What's been going on in your lives that you're thankful for, that we can praise God for, or that's become a bit challenging now? We'd like to hear from anybody that would like to share so we can get you up and open this session of Bible study and prayer. And go Shane, ahead. Uh, Karen, George is scheduled for surgery, for oral surgery Monday morning. I'd like to ask prayers for him. Okay, George Eatman scheduled for surgery. Um, and Where will they do that, Janice? Excuse me? Where will they do that surgery? It, it's going to be done in the villages in the dentist office. Uh, he's an oral surgeon and what do you say, maxiophilial or something like that. I've forgotten that word. You did but, well. They say it's going to be a tricky surgery and there will be complications. So keep him in your prayers. We'll do that. Very good. Um, and give us your name when you do the prayer request. What I'm doing is I don't have a scribe here anymore, but we're just leaving the audio on when we send that out so people can listen through and they can hear your prayer request. They'll just need to know who you are and give me. Who else? Uh, Carrie? Yes, Fred. I have. I'm looks like I'm headed for more radiation treatments and I don't have a date on that yet. I'm waiting for a call from a doctor right as we speak and uh, it's going to be upcoming. So uh, I just hope everything goes well with that. They 
they did find more cancer in me, and uh, the, the good news is uh, that they're going to try to handle it through radiation and no surgery or chemo. So just hope that the radiation treatments go well for me. I, I appreciate that. We can, we can sure do that. And when you get the date, Fred, send me an email, and I'll let everybody else know. Thanks, sir. Anybody else? Don't be shy. Uh, I have one. The past, this is Quinette, Terry. Um, the pastor of the little church I got saved in, Bill Van Sant, B-A-N-S-A-N-T, uh, he has got bladder cancer. He got in remission. He had another, um, some biopsies done, and they have found more. So he is now having to do another series of treatments. So I'd ask for prayer for him. We can certainly do that. Thank you, Quinette. Anna mentioned uh, John and Bobby Groff. Um, I know they're big in good news clubs and things, and uh, we used to see them often around the church, but uh, I believe John has now been diagnosed with bladder cancer, and so he had prostate cancer at one time and struggled with that quite a bit, actually. Um, so just keep Bobby and John in your prayers. They're faithful servants. So. What's their last name, Shane? Groff, G-R-O-F-F. Okay. All right, and I heard somebody else try to sneak in there with Shane. Who was that? <laughs> this is Sandy of Gaddis. Um, I'd like to continue to remember Bob Dennis as, and uh, Jay Townsend. I think Jay is, has been going to Moffitt every day this week. They normally go down and spend the week there, and they've been traveling back and forth because they didn't want to stay in the hotel. And uh, also, um, many of you know Allison Sedan that's uh, been diagnosed with uh, cancer, uterine cancer. Uh, uh, no, uh, yeah. Ovarian. So, uh, ovarian. Yes, ovarian. Yeah. Cancer, yes. And uh, he started treatments yesterday. So. All right. Thank you very much. I, I did not know that. So thank you for bringing that to our attention. Anybody else? All right, let's go ahead and open in prayer. Father, we are grateful that we can be here with you as a body of believers and uh, that we can come together and gather encouragement and strength from you. I pray that uh, we've heard all our prayer requests. There are folks that are going in for oral surgery, that Fred's going back for radiation and uh, others that are in need. Uh, Allison, who is... Uh, diagnosed with ovarian cancer. We lift these sweet souls up to you even now to your healing hand and pray that we might play a part in their recovery and their encouragement and their comfort as they go through these difficult days. Father, I want to pray for folks that don't know you right now, that we could have an impact on their life by text or email or phone call or, or social distance visiting if we we run into them in the grocery store. May we have a kind and encouraging word that shows the love of Jesus Christ and that we may be a reflection of you in all things that we do. Be with Shane, and we're so thankful for him. We, uh, we know that he just started his new journey with employment and that you have greater things ahead for him, but you are there to safely give us a place to land when the bottom falls out. 
be with him as he brings your word to you today. Encourage us to encourage others. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Okay, thank you. Um, I am going to leave the microphones hot for just a second here uh, for a couple of reasons. The first one that I would uh, love for us to do here is, if you can, tell me what your Bible verse is. What is Proverbs, your Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Recite them to us. Do you, do you know them from off the top? Oh, yeah. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Beautiful. Somebody else, what's your Bible verse? Uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Tim Tebow, right? Yeah. Isn't that the Tim Tebow verse? <laughs> what else? Anybody else have a Bible verse that's your, that's your special Bible verse? Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified in Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Wonderful. Excellent. Anybody else have one? Today we're going to be uh, spending our time in Romans chapter 8, which I think is one of the all-time great uh, chapters in the Bible. But my verse, for some reason, I don't know why this verse just screams to me, is Romans 12.12. 12. Does anybody know Romans 12.12? 12? Here it is. And this is in the, I believe it's the Holman translation. Yes, this is the Holman translation. Everyone is a little bit different, but Romans 12.12 12 is just, I think it's written as if it were uh, poetic. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer. That's yeah. it. Just those words. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer. Romans 12.12. 12. We're going to thumb our way back here to Romans chapter 8. Uh, and spend a little time in Romans chapter 8. I am going to mute everyone, hopefully, uh, with the exception of Carrie, because he is going to uh, play a video for us here in just a moment. And uh, I don't want to mute him, so let's see if I can do this correctly. So I believe I have muted everyone's microphones, and now I'm going to go to Carrie David and unmute him. Maybe I'm going to unmute him. Are we okay. ready to play? I think you're there, Carrie. I think I'm here. All right. Let me see if I got the right buttons here to push. And uh, this is an oldie but a goodie here. Okay. Zoom share. Now, if I can just get it started, there it is. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by His blood. 
of you that do not have the video uh, that was the heritage singers and uh, there was a still photograph throughout that video of the heritage singers from the 1960s and all the men were in uniform wearing like suits and all the women were wearing like dresses and as many of you know I got to be friends with Mel Tillerson the probably the last 20 years or so of his life and got to spend a lot of quality time with that guy and he was I should write some of these stories down but I remember he, he believed in dressing his band and if you ever saw the statesiders through the years they always looked like a million dollars that was important to, to Mel and uh, one of the, uh, the the leader of his band is a man named Dennis Pratt who we should be praying for because Dennis is really struggling with some health issues now he lives in Branson and he was with Mel for a long time 35 years probably <clears throat> and uh, 
Dennis told me one night we were sitting backstage and he said, Mel would give those guys every six months, a brand new pair of black cowboy boots and a brand new pair of brown cowboy boots, high dollar cowboy boots to go with their uniform. And, uh, they had, uh, their uniforms when they were out on the road. Uh, day one was a specific uniform. Day two was a specific uniform. And over the course of time, you just knew what your uniform was. Uh, Mel had two properties. He had the property here at Ocala and he had a ranch up in Ashland city, Tennessee, which is just North. And on that property in Ashland city, he had a, um, I guess you'd call it a studio building. It was, uh, it was, I had the pleasure to get to take brother Ed out there one time and he got to see it, it was really, really neat. Mel took us out there. And, uh, uh, he had uniforms by the decades, really going back to his career in the fifties. So when you would walk into this one particular room, he had like 12 of this uniform. 12 of this uniform, 12 of this one, and it came up chronologically. And there were a lot of them, you know, there were 35 or 40 different uniforms and there were like 12 copies of each one. And uh, as I was looking at that picture, it made me think about how important that was. In fact, that was mentioned in the uh, eulogy uh, at his funeral is how important it was for him to dress the band. And it reminded me of a time that we were standing backstage uh, at a concert and the warm up band was a young female singer and her band and Mel was leaning against a post. He wasn't set to go on for another 45 minutes or an hour. And he was wearing like a zip up sweatsuit and uh, her, the, her, it was time for her to go on stage. So all of her band came piling off the bus at the same time. And they were wearing ripped up jeans and t- holy t-shirts and everything else. And as they came by him, walking onto the back of the stage, he said, thanks for dressing up for work, boys. And I just got to chuckling about that because I was just thinking of that as I saw all those uh, heritage singers dressed in their their uniforms. Thanks for dressing up for work, boys. Well, we're going to spend some time in Romans chapter 8 this morning, and it's one of the all-time great chapters of the Bible, and we play uh, the song uh, Family of God for a reason, <clears throat> and that is because this is that passage that talks about us becoming... Uh, uh, join heirs with Jesus. Uh, talks about us being heirs with God and join heirs with Jesus. And uh, Jana and I will often talk about how we will see in these old movies how somebody like in maybe, let's say, Italy, uh, back at the turn of the you know 19th to 20th century, they'll put, uh, say, 17 or 18 or 19 or whatever year old child on a boat to go to the new country, you know, or whatever, knowing that they will never see that child again. And how difficult that must have been to put one of your children on a boat and kiss them goodbye and give them all the life savings that you had tucked away in the cookie jar to send them off to a better future, knowing that you would never lay eyes on them again or hug them again. Uh, And we talk often about uh, that kind of a situation and how they would send their family members away to a fresh start on what they believe to be a better start in a new country and uh, to the land of opportunity. And, uh, and so th- today we're going to be talking about how we are joint heirs with Jesus and the importance of family. And that's why we're kind of gathered today. I don't have the world's greatest uh, Bible study prepared, but it's just that opportunity to get the family together. And I look up here and I see uh, George and Janice and I see uh, Trish and uh, Jimmy and I think about their family and when they get their family together, it's the world seems right when you get them all together 
And sometimes it doesn't feel quite right when there's one of the sheep that's not there. When all the sheep are together, it's better. Jan asked me one time, when are you the happiest in your life? And I said, when all of us are together, the world seems perfect for me. When I got all my kids and my grandkids and everybody is, is together. So Romans chapter eight, we're going to be picking up in the 12th verse and we're going to work all the way through like the 26th verse. And it begins with a promise in uh, verse number one, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And it ends clear at the end of the chapter with these words, uh, that nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That nothing on earth, nothing on uh, hell or on earth will separate us for, from our, uh, our heavenly father and being in his family once we are in his family. And in this chapter, Paul is going to highlight the role of the Holy Spirit in not only our sanctification, but also in our assurance of salvation. The first part of chapter 8, I'll give it to you very briefly here, and then Kerry uh, has agreed he's going to pick these verses up as we come uh, across them. But the first part of chapter 8 focuses on the role of the law and the role of the Holy Spirit. The law, weakened by sinful flesh, uh, uh, could not fulfill God's righteous, uh, righteous requirements. We needed to have the Son, His Son, who we celebrated last Sunday with the resurrection and the, the ascension and Jesus, uh, we needed to have His Son come into this earth and be our sin offering so that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in those who walk according to the Holy Spirit on this earth. And Paul laid out a couple of different ways to live. Someday I want you to pick up your Star Banner newspaper or go to uh, your favorite news site and separate the wheat from the chaff when you look at the news stories and look at people in the news on that particular day. Here are the two ways that Paul said that we can live. We can live according to the flesh or according to the spirit. Sometime go through your newspaper and see if it's 95-5, 95% one way, 5% another way, because there aren't a lot of people, but at least the newspaper aren't, isn't reporting a lot of people out there who live by the spirit. Everybody lives by the flesh. The ones who live by the flesh, and we'll look at that word just briefly in a minute here, uh, the ways of flesh always lead to death, always. But those that walk and talk and live and study by the Spirit and set our minds on the things of the Spirit result in the life, uh, life of peacefulness uh, for the remainder of this life and for uh, life to come. And Fred Shaw mentioned just a moment again, uh, ago here that his granddaughter sent him a thing that talks about how it never says to worry in the Bible, and it never says to try and figure out uh, things in the Bible, but it says trust in the Lord continually in the Bible. It's one of the messages that is it, the reoccurring themes in, in the Bible is to turn it over and trust in the Lord and do not worry and do not fear. And as uh, Romans 12, 12 says there, you know, be patient in affliction and turn it over to the Lord. Paul provided a reminder for us of the role of the Holy Spirit in representing the believer uh, before God, that the Holy Spirit is a gift from God to us. In fact, it says when the Holy Spirit was to come, it was going to be a gift to us as brothers and sisters in Christ, and that that gift acts on our behalf, and he represents us as a believer before uh, God. Paul ended this chapter chapter 8, with some interesting words. And in fact, he ends this entire section of Romans 
if we're looking at the breakout of Romans, this is really kind of the end of a section, and he ends it by returning to his theme of there being no condemnation for brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, he asks a rhetorical question, which he later answers. And that rhetorical question is, who can bring an accusation against God's elect? And the answer that he gives to that is no one. Just as there is no one who can condemn, so also there is no one who can separate us from the Heavenly Father and God's love. No one can separate us from the family. It's hard to imagine a chapter uh, that more fully lays out the love of God and the blessings for us as believers. We are adopted. We are brought into the family, uh, to the family of God. We're going to be picking up, Carrie's going to uh, pick us up here uh, in the 12th verse, and you'll see a couple of words there at the beginning of the 12th verse. I don't know what your translation is, but mine are the words, so then, so then, just two words, and that obviously leads us to believe that we're picking up in the middle of a story. You know, those two words tie back to the earlier verses. And yes, that is indeed the case. Earlier, Paul had contrasted a life lived in the flesh and contrasted that life with those living in the spirit. And that theme continues. And this is basically the uh, explanation of those earlier verses. So then, so the spirit of Christ living in us means we no longer are obligated to the flesh. We can be separated from the flesh. Carrie, would you grab verses 12 and 13, sir? Sure will. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version that says, verse 12, so then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you will put to death deeds of the body, you will live. Uh, you're, the word that you use there, uh, it was different. It, my word is obligated. What's your word there? It says, so then brothers, we are not obligated to the flesh. You are, your says debtors. Is that right? Mine says debtors. Debtors. That's a great word. When I think about the word obligation, uh, I don't know why I think this, but I look at the word obligation and I think something negative. Anybody on this call like to owe somebody money? No. no, that's a horrible thing, isn't it? Nobody likes to owe somebody no money. Nobody likes to be obligated to someone. Uh, the Greek word for obligation is indeed debt, as Carrie mentioned. You don't want to be a debtor, and if you are uh, obligated to that sin and that flesh and that sinful life, you are obligated. But also, that Greek word means someone who is under a moral obligation to someone else. And in this context, Paul meant that moral obligation. Uh, so then, brothers, we are not morally obligated to live like the flesh. You don't have to live that way. You have a choice. And Paul used the Greek word translated flesh 26 times in Romans, 26 times, and 13 of those come in the first 13 verses. It was important for him to discuss uh, uh, what the flesh is. And when he's talking about the flesh, we oftentimes think of um, uh, sexual things. We think of physical appetites. But also, flesh means to the entirety of life in a world that is in rebellion to God. So that when I said to you earlier, look at your Ocala Star banner or your news site, and you will see stories that you could probably divide off into people living according to the Spirit and those that are living according to the flesh. When you see people that are obligated to the flesh, you see them selfish, uh, you see them greedy, uh, you see them jealous, 
you see them uh, uh, sinful, you see them living for today, living short term, you see them um, uh, not uh, living up to their uh, financial obligations and walking away and leaving someone else to, uh, to, to bear the burden of their failure to live their life uh, uh, properly. Paul contrasted these two different lifestyles using the words, if then, or so then. So then, you do not have to be obligated to this style of life any longer. We have a choice. We know that. If you've been raised in the church, you know that you have a choice to live either the life of the world or the life of Jesus Christ, and we get to make that choice. That's a choice that we get to make, and what a privilege that is for us to do it. And his voice, as verse 14 tells us, uh, if we are filled with the Spirit, we'll be able to put to death those evil deeds. We can do that. It's much easier to do. We can leave the flesh behind when we are filled with the Spirit. Somewhere along the line, I heard somebody say, uh, your, the throne of your heart only has one seat. If there is something else on the throne of your heart besides the Lord, then that is the Lord of your life whatever that is. Maybe it's making money. Maybe it's uh, um, uh, beating someone out of something. Maybe it's being a cheat or whatever it is. Such persons allow the Spirit of God to sit right on that seat and be Lord of our life to provide direction for our lives. And as the shepherd guides his sheep, you and I are to follow God's Spirit, walking not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The closer the sheep are to the shepherd, the safer the sheep are. I've told that story a million times about how my dad, we had an ag, we had a piece of property and we were going to get an agricultural exemption. And we had to put, I think it was a half a dozen critters on there so we could get our tax exemption. And my dad went to the, the sale barn to get the, the half a dozen sheep to put on that property. And he ended up with 250 pregnant ewes. And it was, it was one of the coldest winters in Iowa. In fact, it was, it's funny. My Baptist sister was 18 at the time. She was married, uh, but she was 18. And the vet told, we were, they said that when these ewes would drop and hit, uh, drop these uh, lambs onto the ground, that you should give them a, a dropper full of whiskey because it like jumpstarts their, their body and jumpstarts their, their system. And so my dad said to my sister, you need to run to town and get a big old jug of whiskey. Well, I remember her walking back into the barn and handing my dad that. And he, it was like the top line whiskey. She, he says, we're not trying to get these sheep drunk. We're just trying to jumpstart their lives. We don't need to give them Gentleman Jack Black Label or whatever, whatever it was. And so I think about those sheep. The closer the sheep are to the shepherd, the safer they are. Are we walking closely with the shepherd and avoiding the life of the flesh and living the life of the spirit? When you think about uh, things, uh, I know that uh, this is a topic of discussion amongst theologians and scholars and pastors and things right now, and that is when we open the church back up, will it be full or will it be empty? Mike? instinct would be we're going to raise the roof on that place we're going to we're going to uh be so appreciative of the fact that we can worship together again that we're going to fill those pews just like this sunday after 9 11 we're going to appreciate and want to be back together yet history will tell us at times that if we get out of the habit of going 
it's easier to stay home the third Sunday if you've missed two in a row. And so the closer we stay to the spirit and not let that flesh in, uh, interfere in our life, the better off we're going to be. Carrie, would you grab verse 14 and 15 for us for? I will. Uh, verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption of sons by whom we cry, this is Jimmy's favorite word, Abba, Father. Love it. Yeah, that's great. Um, this crisis has been painful in so many ways. Uh, just think about a few of them that it, even in your life, uh, I, I know that some folks just have uh, had to, uh, you know, isolate a bit and it makes them feel lonely. But just think about this, uh, confusion, uh, financial loss. One of the big ones I think about often is death without the opportunity to gather and mourn together. When I have lost a loved one, it has been vitally important for me to get together with my other loved ones and mourn the passing. That has been um, uh, just a, a therapeutic thing to be able to just get together and mourn the loss of someone. And now they're laid up at Roberts or uh, hires and you can't even have a funeral service for them or whatever. Isolation, uh, career change, greed, selfishness, loneliness. Need I go on? This thing has uh, uh, got a many tentacles and sometimes we feel completely helpless and sometimes hopeless. We feel like we have lost control of our very lives. We can't even go to the barber shop. We can't go and uh, go to the bank and get a little extra cash. So if something happens, we've got some cash on hand. It has affected our daily lives. But that's where our mistake comes in. There's a Christian artist out there that uh, is performing music for younger kids. I would say he's a rap artist, but that's maybe a little oversimplification because I don't like to categorize him. But his name is Lecrae, and he was quoted last week as saying the following, You haven't lost control of your life. You've just lost the illusion that you ever were in control. Think about that for a minute. You haven't lost control of your life. You've just lost the illusion that you ever had control of your life to begin with. As brothers and sisters in Christ and believers who follow the leadership of God's Spirit, we are, in fact, children of the Spirit, and the Father has it all handled. People who do not have the Spirit of Christ do not belong to God, and as such are not children of God. We are children of the one true King. The family unit in Paul's day... Uh, consisted of slaves and children. And then the, the man of the house obviously was the master of the home and, uh, and uh, the, the wife was kind of ran the domestic part of the home. And there were outdoor slaves and there were indoor slaves. Uh, there were domestic slaves, much like you would see even in, in the you know, 19th century in America, they had uh, house slaves and then they had people that worked out into the, for agriculture and so on. And so the, the role of the slave and the role of the child was significantly different. We have entered into this relationship as sons and daughters, not as slaves who fall back into fear. A slave lived in fear. Their life could change at a moment's notice. They could be separated from their spouse and their children and sold off into slavery somewhere else. 
But believers, we enter into God's family by adoption. We are brought in by adoption. The Greek word for adoption uh, only occurs five times in the New Testament. But the practice of adoption was common in the Roman society. It was not so common in the Jewish society at, the, the, at that particular time. But interestingly, Paul listed it as one of the privileges that believers and Jews received from God. He listed it to his Jewish brothers and sisters as saying, your adoption into the family of God is a privilege, even though they didn't necessarily practice it all that much in their culture. Back at this time, particularly in the Roman society, uh, as now, the child was taken into the family on equal status with the other children. When you adopted a child, uh, they would come into the family just like any other adopted child and just like any blood child. And the father of the home, the master of the home, exercised the same control over the adopted child as he would over any other child in the family. When you stepped into that situation, you stepped in on equal footing with the blood children in that family. As believers, we enjoy full status of children of God. We step in uh, and we are, one of the things that states so clearly that we are children of God is the very privilege to be able to say to God and address God as Abba Father. And I got to thinking about that a little bit because I believe the word Abba means father. So I'm thinking, Father, Father. Are we saying Father, Father? And so I took it back to Aramaic. And if you look in maybe even in your Bible study materials this week, I'm not, I don't ever get to see your materials, so I'm not sure what it states. But um, my material chased me to someone to, uh, that I did a commentary on this. And it those that have studied the Aramaic, which was the first language spoken by most people in Palestine at this time, will suggest to you that it doesn't necessarily mean Abba, meaning it, it means Abba Father, but it doesn't mean Father, Father. It more uh, beautifully translated to this, Father, Dear Father. That's what Abba Father means. Father, Dear Father. I love that. I love that. And as adopted children, we have the privilege to address God as Father, dear Father. Uh, a sense of intimacy that is the opposite of the fear that is experienced by the slave. Father, dear Father. I don't know that I'll ever look at that again. Yeah, Carrie just commented, Daddy. Daddy. Not only does the Holy Spirit play a role uh, in uh, our becoming children of God, but also this same Holy Spirit plays a role in our awareness and the awareness of our status as God's children. And as Paul is going to point out in verses 16 and 17 here that Carrie's going to grab, the Holy Spirit testifies to uh, and with us as we cry, Father, dear Father, and enjoy this privilege, assuring us that we belong to him. Carrie, grab those couple of verses. Uh, 16 and 17? Yes, sir. All right. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Wait a minute. I don't know that I want to sign up for the suffering part as a child of God, as a joint heir with Jesus as we travel this sod. 
I don't know that I want to uh, sign up for the suffering part, but Paul very clearly sta states it here that the inheritance is the world, the kingdom, and the hope of eternal life, but also to be a co-heir with Christ is to identify with Christ in the life that he lived, and his life was not always the good ship lollipop. His life was difficult on this earth, as was just witnessed last Friday, one week ago, with the suffering that he went through uh, on that cross. Paul desired to, as Philippians 3.10 says, to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Wow, the fellowship of his sufferings. So, what he's saying is the sufferings will bring us closer together as brothers and sisters. You ever uh, try to fight uh, a brother when he's by himself and then try to fight that brother when the other brother's around? Guess what? You're going to have to whip them all before you get out of there because blood is thicker than water, isn't it? Uh, there are a lot of people that believe that's why uh, uh, David picked up more stones than he knew that he was going to need for Goliath because Goliath had brothers that were there with him, and he thought he might have to whip his way through all of them. Well, we, uh, when we are uh, bound in these sufferings and bonded together by them, we enjoy the fellowship that comes with those sufferings. On his uh, first missionary journey, according to Acts 14.22, and after he had been stoned and he had been left for dead and he had been beaten up and he had been bloody, Paul encouraged new believers, even in this state of being tore up, he, he encouraged them and he said, it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Wow, Paul's evaluation of his present situation was not the result of some wishful thinking. The present suffering believers must endure pales in comparison with the glory yet to be revealed. And as that uh, famous uh, uh, 21st century uh, theologian Lecrae said, you haven't lost control of your life. You've just lost the illusion that you were ever in control of it. And brothers and sisters, we do not control it. We do not control the coronavirus. We do not control the barbershops. We do not control the vets in God's hands. And we've just got to deal with the hand that we are dealt. Carrie, grab verse 18, would you please? Sure will. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Ah, there you go. The glory is worth it. In writing to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says the following, For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. Let me read that again. And that's a different translation than the one that I'm familiar with. But uh, it's 2 Corinthians 4.17, and it says, For our momentary light affliction, Paul didn't undergo light affliction in his life, but he saw it as light affliction. And maybe... Uh, being as close as he was to the Lord, he saw uh, that his affliction was nothing in comparison to what the Lord went through. Uh, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. While suffering never seems light when we are un undergoing it and enduring it, the glory awaiting us is beyond our ability to comprehend. Can we stay focused on the glory when we are going through the suffering. The suffering Paul described was not just human suffering, but when Adam sinned, God cursed the ground because of Adam, and that's spelled out for us in verses 19 through 21. Carrie? 
For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Thank you, Carrie. There's a word that's mentioned in there in verse 20 that is the word futility, and it describes a state of, of being that uh, fulfills no purpose, has no use. The cause of this futility lay not in the fault in creation, but in sin, which led creation to be subjected unwillingly to this futility. I know that there are a lot of people that are feeling right now, they are feeling uh, that this, uh, this situation is futile. The days are going by, you're just ripping off calendar pages and you're not accomplishing anything and you're not getting things done that you'd like to get done and, and you're anticipating uh, uh, things. Creation was the victim of the sinful choices of the first couple. And God's subjection of creation to futility refers to the curse that God placed on the ground in judgment uh, for Adam's sin. However, subjection of creation to futility was not God's final word. If it had been, there would be no, let me go back to 1212 uh, uh, because that verse is very important. It's a four-letter word that starts with H and ends with E, the word hope. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, and be persistent in prayer. Hope is possible because God will set free creation itself. There's also a phrase in here that's very interesting, and I think just chew on these three words for a couple of minutes. Uh, the phrase bondage to decay. Bondage to decay describes the current state of fallen creation. Look up your newspaper again and see uh, uh, it, how many people in there are, are being a, a bondage, uh, being slaves to decay and, and sin and darkness in their lives. Paul was hopeful. Paul lived in hope. Paul was looking for renewal, and he was looking for restoration, and he was looking not only for renewal and restoration of God's creation uh, on earth, but also God's creation in the hearts and souls of man. Uh, verse 22, we're not exactly sure what Paul meant by the phrase here, the whole creation. It's not clear, but we have to believe that he means humans and non-humans, animals, everything that God created. He means it uh, literally about the uh, creation. So, Carrie, grab uh, verse 22. We're just about done here. So, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Uh Okay, so that's verse 22. It talks about uh, groaning and uh, the, the decay and the pain. And then now look at verse 30, uh, 23. Paul seems to have distinguished human suffering from the suffering of God's non-human creation. And Paul's description of the whole creation groaning together with uh, labor pains brings to mind the curse that Eve received in connection uh, with, uh, with childbirth. Uh, the present falling world one day will be replaced with a new heaven and a new earth, and we will be replaced with a new body. And no longer will all these aches and pains, Fred Shaw, be a, be a problem for us. No longer will we groan under the pain and the weight of these things that uh, God has uh, 
handed to us. Carrie, why don't you go ahead and let's just put 23, 24, and 25 together. You know, we experience hardship and suffering as a result of bodies crippled by sin and relationships too often characterized by ego and pride. But the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the fruit, of first fruits, has something else in mind for us. You're muted there, my boy. Let's try it again here. All right. Not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are we're saved. Now hope that is not seen, now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Thank you, sir. Uh, some of you native Ocalans are going to have to help me with this road because I always get it wrong. But Jana and I live at McAteer Acres, which is just off 52nd. So if you were to come down 441 and pass the drive then and come to that uh, stoplight where the old spur truck stop is, and you were to go right and go up about eight-tenths of a mile. On the left, there's a little country subdivision in there called McAteer Acres. If you were to continue on past our subdivision and go down to the next intersection, Janice Eatman, what is the crossover road there called? Shady Road? I've got them. I think I've got you muted, so I'll have to uh, unmute there. Let's see. Let's unmute. Where George Janice Eatman? She'll give me, give me the name of that road. What's the name of that road, Janice? Pedro Road. Pedro Road. Pedro. I think it is. Pedro, it goes there too. Shady Road's back there too. Okay, so if anybody knows where that is and you want to go out for a nice drive to get out of the house, I, I don't see how it, you can be uh, any more infected walking out of your house into your garage, getting in your car, uh, opening the garage door, dri driving uh, with a bottle of water for 20 miles and pulling back into your garage and turning your car off and shutting the door than you are when you go and wrestle with people for toilet paper at Sam's Club. But um, when you come to that intersection right there on, I guess it would be the southwest corner, there's a farm there that is, old, uh, that is owned by an older black gentleman right there. And right now, it's just such an exciting time because he's their cabin. He's having calves and uh, um, uh, they're also having some new pones there. Uh, Richard Barber may know him. But uh, we are always, that is, that is one of Jana's and I, uh, uh, opportunities to just spend some time reveling in God's beauty and majesty and the hope. And that is the hope of those, those new calves and the new life that it brings. Uh, and uh, so if you're up for a drive, you can uh, drive by that intersection there and you can look. And he probably has, I'd say, 20 or 25 new calves. And he's got... Uh, two or three new folds out there. Um, he's got a, a couple paints and, and it's just, I wish there was a place where we could pull off and we could just watch for a while because it's fun to watch that new life, new hope and all that goes with that. In writing to the Ephesians, Paul made uh, the same point when he is talking about the spirit of the first fruits, uh, uh, the, the, the first crops that were harvested were a sign of the full harvest to follow, whether there would be a great crop or a poor crop. Uh, believers have the Holy Spirit as a sign as to, as to what's to come in our life and the hope that comes with the spirit of the first fruits. 
during this time that Paul is writing about in frustration and groaning, believers are to eagerly wait for uh, the love of the Lord and wait to see what the Lord has in store. Earlier, Paul had said that believers already have the spirit of adoption, so we can uh, hang our hat on that, uh, that theme. But also, we have the promise of the redemption of our bodies. That day that God will free our bodies from decay and corruption and cancer and uh, leukemia and uh, all things that go with that. Paul could speak of redemption as something we already possess and as something that also we are yet to receive. Verse 24 here, as we close up, Paul returned to the concept of hope he had introduced earlier. Hope by its nature is something that is not yet received. I think it states that in maybe in your material. It is not yet received. Hope that is seen is not hope. Once we have received what we hope for, we no longer hope. It makes no sense to hope for something that we already have. Yet Paul was able to say that in this hope we were saved. We walk on this earth in hope. We look forward and rejoice, as it says in 12.12, in this hope that we have in the future. Although we have been saved, given the Spirit uh, uh, as first fruits, and adopted into God's family as these beloved children who can call him father, dear father, or daddy, we still live in a fallen world, waiting for the full completion of our salvation when we receive our glorified bodies and dwell in heaven with the Lord forever at the foot of Father, dear Father. That is the unseen thing for which we hope. We eagerly wait for it with patience. As believers, we need to approach the suffering and trials of our present life with patience as we eagerly wait for the fulfillment of our salvation. It's always interesting to note people who have died and have come back to life. And uh, I don't think that you've ever... Uh, heard one that uh, that says that if they got a glimpse of heaven, it was not something that was wonderful, that it was uh, uh, something that, that they almost didn't want to even come back because it was beyond their comprehension of beauty and, and uh, 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 just it's beyond our imaginations uh, to, uh, as I've said before, our, our yardstick is not as big as God. So it's difficult for us to even see what he has promised for us. But one of uh, a little gal that was from my school uh, back home in Iowa lost her father very unexpectedly this last week. And uh, I sent her a note. And I just when uh, I think about her father, where we come from, there's not a lot of traffic. And so you'd be driving uh, out in the middle of nowhere and you'd meet somebody and you'd just stop and roll down the window, you know, and visit right in the road and turn the car off. And when I thought about her father, my dad and her dad were great friends and got a big kick out of each other. Love to see each other. So anytime you would see them, uh, you would, uh, you, he, boy, you could count on it being a 15 minute conversation. You just stop on a gravel road. I told her uh, about a conversation that I remember them having and being so tickled with one another one time. And I told her, I said, there, Having that conversation today, the streets just look a little bit different, and there's a little more traffic. The streets that are golden as as they get that opportunity. That's what, that's our promise, folks. We get that uh, that for our promise, and we have hope. One.
in Christ Jesus. Jimmy Chambers, are you muted? I think you, you're uh, you're not muted. I would love it if you would close us out in a time of prayer, and I would love it if you would pray for George and for Fred uh, as they are uh, looking at these treatments down the road here. Um, uh, we're just turn, turn it over to Jimmy and uh, uh, pray us home, Jimmy. You say I'm not muted. You're not muted. We can hear you loud and clear. We didn't. We didn't say a while ago, but uh, Janice and George, we did come from Wyomena. The pastor up at Unity Baptist Church is Sammy Clements, and his mom and daddy is David Clements and Laura Clements. And Laura is in her last days right now, maybe last moment. So we thank them also. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for the privilege. We thank you for this technology that we can even be together in this way today. Thank you for this uh, progress that we have in this. But most of all, whether we have this or have not, we thank you that you are the Lord, the God, that the Holy Spirit, that you connect us. You connect us first with our Father, our Abba Father, and you connect us with our, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because of him, we've come to know you, Holy Spirit, and that you guide us. And we thank you that, that uh, Jesus told you, told us, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would be a comforter to us, that you would be a help to us. And I'm praying that uh, for these that are having surgeries and treatments and one laying at the at last days before she's coming into your arms, that you'd be close to each and every one. I'm praying also, Holy Spirit, that this time where people... Uh, this is devastating in their lives and they, they have never been here before and they don't know you that Holy Spirit you'd knock on their door of their heart and that they would seek to know, know understanding and come to find the precious Savior Jesus that would heal and take care of all their concerns and give them what the Bible we just read hope we have no hope except in you everything else is by trial and error but we thank you that your hope is sure and real and forever. And we thank you, Lord God, for the gift that you gave us for having this hope. And that's eternal life. And we pray the day that it comes for each and every one of us that you're there waiting to fulfill that promise that you gave us. We pray for all of us that we're separated physically, that we're not separated spiritually. <clears throat> Give us of our sin, guide, lead, and direct, continue to bless uh, uh, Carrie and Shane as they prepare us in this way and bring us some uh, avenue to come together and study your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, in the precious name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you. Amen. Thank you all. So, everybody Shane, do you do you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, because I the whole works fell down behind the computer. <laughs> And I had to scoop it up and put it back on top of the monitor. I can actually hear you better. Well, I'm on. Uh, I'm on the laptop. You can see I'm not on uh, Larry and Shirley. Believe uh, it or not, Larry felt well enough to do a golf uh, outing this morning. Oh, wonderful for him! Good. And so he went out to try that. I haven't seen him yet, so he must have had a good time. The password is so good. I can get it on. The um, other than uh, other than that, I don't really have any news. But 
we are living in a bubble here. I think most of us are in, you know, some kind of gated community or whatever. And uh, when you watch the news and you see the people out of work and running out of money, at trying to homeschool uh, two, three kids, um, they now know what teachers go through every day. And uh, so I, I really uh, feel that we are very blessed uh, being in our various homes uh, the way we are. Uh, no doubt about it. No doubt. And I thank the Lord every day that, that I have the things I, that, that I have. And uh, here's an interesting little sidebar. I was planning on driving home Easter Saturday, but because of just some things that came up personally, I, de I decided not to. And guess what? Had I left like I was planning, I would have been right in the middle of the big rash of tornadoes through Mississippi, Mississippi Alabama, and Georgia. I'd been right in that mess. So it was, it was an inspiration not to go. I mean, from that standpoint alone. When will you go back? Do you have any idea? Uh, well, I have my mail uh, sent here, forward here until the 30th of this month, but it's real simple to go online and change it. Um, I, I, I'll be here till probably first week in, of May at the, at the uh, earliest that I'd leave. Well, good. Well, we'll try to get together again next uh, Friday. I thank you all for being here and uh, uh, appreciate you. Will, if you have any. It's nice seeing all of you on the screen. It is, yeah. I mean, um, you're What happened? Um, who's not on this time? Let's uh, see. Roger isn't on. I see Roger is, uh, is listed as here. I just don't see his video, but I see his name mentioned here. So. Uh, Oh, Roger, are you there? He just signed off. Oh, he, oh, he signed, signed off. Up. Oh, okay. Good. Okay. Shane, this is oh, there he's back. Thank, thank yes. you, Shane. We appreciate you. Thank, thank you. We'll talk to you. Thank you, for, uh, Shane. I appreciate taking the time to do this for us. It means so much. Thank you. Thank you, Shane. See you later. Bye-bye. Thank you. See you next time. Well, oh, by the bye. way, uh, you guys don't have my email address. The only way I get a notification of this is through uh, the Rosses. Oh, let's get that. Carrie, are you still on? I am. All right, let's get that. Okay, so, it's all small case, my last name without vowels, G-L-N-G-R. 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 G-R, yeah, yeah. Uh, at yahoo.com. You clever people that take the vowels out drive me crazy. There's Raj. Well, I'll tell you what, when I was teaching, we had to have an email address through the computer, and guess I was given that, G-L-N-G-R, uh, and I thought, well, I'll keep it. <laughs> I would have given it back. <laughs> <laughs> simple yeah okay well thanks thank again everyone. shane thank you all we'll see you soon